All right. I don't know. I feel like we're just kind of like on this ride and having a great time. But I think that all of this is possible because of all of the investment that these men have put into where we are today. And uh, I, don't want to take it, I don't want us to take it for granted. Um, and the thing that excites me the most is that I like inviting people to my church. I really do. I mean, and I can't always have said that in my history in church. And I don't know what your background was like. I don't know exactly what it looked like for you to... Um, if you're new to church, if you're new to Christ, if you haven't even figured that out yet, we are just honored that you're here, and we want to provide a culture where it's easy to get to know Jesus Christ, and that we don't, as a church and as members, that we don't become roadblocks that prevent people from getting to Jesus. And I think so many times that's what we create. We create this culture like it's this private club and you're not in it. And unless you meet all of our criteria and all of our standards and dress the way that we do and carry the Bible that we do and cut your hair the way that we do and and talk the way that we do, then you're not going to feel comfortable. And that's so much who we are not. Thank God that we are not that way. We want to be a place that's easy to get to Jesus, not because we're perfect, but because he's all that. And we're just trying to get ourselves out of the way and make it easier to meet the man who can change our lives. And I think that if we've done anything well here, it's to try and create an environment that we welcome anybody and everybody. And you know what, that doesn't mean that you necessarily agree with everything in their life and everything that they do. It just means that you love them well and let Jesus make the difference in their lives as he sees fit and as they work in his life. And that's who I want us to continue to be. And I know what time it is. But we already made the decision we're going to go to about 1215 without even asking you. Because we were like, yeah, it's going to take an extra 15 minutes to squeeze all this in, right? But there was, a, there was an occurrence. There was this event that took place in the book of Acts. It was an issue that the early church was having because you have to keep in mind, like, like all of his disciples were Jewish, right? And so as the gospel begins to be spread and you have Paul and Barnabas going outside of Jerusalem and spreading the gospel, you have a lot of non-Jewish people coming to know Christ. And so you have these Gentiles that are believers, but they're not like the Jews. And there were Pharisees in Jerusalem that believed and were, were broadcasting that in order to become a follower of Jesus, in order to become a Christian, you had to do like they did and become circumcised. Ouch. I mean, you talk about a roadblock. I'm serious. I'm going to think twice here before I pray this prayer, right? I mean, so they... They created this thing where, yeah, it's okay to believe in Jesus and you can follow it, but you have to be circumcised. And what they were saying is, is you need to do church like we do church. 
You need to, you need to approach this, this faith in Christ, this faith in God, the way that we are approaching this faith in God. And so Paul and Barnabas, they come back and, they cre- and there's this council that meets, the Jerusalem council. And they hear out exactly what everybody has to say about this issue and about this topic. So after a lot of people had spoken, Peter gets up. And we don't have all the scripture up today, but if you want to read through this, I would suggest reading through the book of Acts chapter 15. And Peter gets up and he says, he says, you know, here's a, here's a couple points that I feel like I need to make. And, and if you have your Bible, it's verses 8 and 9. But I just kind of put a summary of what he, he, he said here. He said, let me just give you a couple things that I want to bring to your attention. First of all, God gave the Gentiles the same Holy Spirit that he gave to us. Right? God gave the Holy Spirit to them just as he gave him to us. So these uncircumcised Gentiles had the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And yet they didn't do everything that, that we feel like you need to do. And then Peter also said this. He said, not only does the Holy Spirit live inside them, Peter actually said this, God purified their hearts by faith. That's powerful. It's almost like, so who are we to say that this is how you have to do it? If the Holy Spirit lives inside of them, and God has purified their hearts by faith, then they're in. Then they're part of the family of God. They're followers of Christ, regardless of how closely they follow our rules and regulations. And then he, then he dropped the bomb. He said this. He said, so then why would we want to burden them with a religious system that neither we nor our forefathers could bear? So everything we're trying to dump on these new Gentile believers are things that we have not been very successful at keeping ourselves. So this system of religion, this faith system is something that we have not been effective modeling, hence the reason Jesus Christ had to come and die. Peter gets done talking, and then James stands up. Now, this is James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, which is significant because I don't believe during the ministry of Christ, James was a believer. It was not until he saw his resurrected body that James, the half-brother of Jesus, came to know Christ. Isn't that an incredible thought? So James, the half-brother of Jesus, gets up to speak, and he says this incredible statement in Acts chapter 15, verse 19. He says, wherefore my sentence is, this is what I believe, that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. Now, that's, that's the King James that I love. That's, that's, that's a beautiful language, but sometimes we don't get maybe the full meaning of what it is. So this is, this is another way to put that, and that is, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Does that make sense? So we should, what James is saying is, so here's my judgment. After I've heard Peter, I've heard what Paul and Barnabas says, here's my judgment, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. And he said this, he said, here's, here's my belief, 
And this is what the council came up with, that, that if you are a Gentile and you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're saved, you, you have the faith and you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, then let's suggest that you not do four things. And this is the four things that they were instructed not to do, to kind of live out their faith. He said, first of all, don't eat meat that's been offered to idols. And then he said, abstain from sexual sins. And then he said, don't eat meat from strangled animals. And, don't, and, 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 and abstain from blood. That was the four things. Those are strange for you and I today, right? Except the sexual sin thing. We understand that that's wrong. But it's like, so here they make this ruling that you don't have to do everything like the Jewish people do it in order to be able to have an authentic, real relationship with Jesus Christ. I think that's significant. And what they've done is they have taken away the roadblocks of living a life of faith. And I don't think the church at that time was necessarily trying to make it difficult to know and follow Christ. I think they were just trying to convey what they had learned and what they had become accustomed to. I mean, it was how they did religion. This was what they had been taught to do. So they felt it necessary to convey to these new believers what they had been told getting to know Jesus was all about and how to, how to live a life of faith and how to please God. It was, it was what they believed made you a good Christian. But just like we tend to do today, and this is a big statement, we build for ourselves a mental picture of what Christianity looks like to us. But then here's the problem, and what it should look like for everyone else. So do you understand what's, what, what they were trying to do then is what so many people do today And that is, we build a mental picture of this is what Christianity looks like. This is what you should dress like. This is how you should behave. This is what you should drive. This is the clothes you should wear. This is what you should and should not do as a follower of Christ. This is what Christianity looks like. And because we have created that mental picture of what a Christian ought to be and what Christianity should look like, we then impose that belief and we make a judgment on everybody else who's not like what we think Christianity ought to look like, even though we made it up. And so who we are as a church is a church who wants to make it easy to get to know Jesus Christ and allow them to connect with each other. And then grow in their faith and serve the Lord. Not because we have a preconceived notion of what they ought to look like and how they ought to behave. I believe this. I believe if they got it and if they truly follow Christ, he's going to take care of a lot of the stuff that might concern you. And our responsibility is to be their friend. Because that's what got you to where you are. But here's the thing. This faith system, this picture of Christianity that we have in our mind, we're not even good at that. Right? We're not even good at living out what we think a Christian ought to look like because you still watch what you shouldn't watch. You still listen to what you shouldn't listen to, and you still have thoughts you shouldn't have. You're not even good at it. 
And you're, I mean, think about it. You're trying to impose what you think a Christian looks like on somebody else, and you're a fraud. And you're not even authentic. And so maybe let's just back up. Circumcision didn't change their heart. And these rules and regulations that you come up with don't change your heart. One of my professors in college preached a message one time called The Seven Sins of Fundamentalism. It was a great message. But one of the points in there that he said was, we accept external conformity in place of inward righteousness. That's one of our sins as a church. We accept, as long as we all look the same and vote the same and act the same, we're okay with that because now we feel comfortable because everybody else is behaving the same way that we do. And so we find comfort in the fact that everybody's just like we are. How boring is that? Folks, you're not really all that. So why would we want everybody to be like me or you? This is a family. We all have different personalities and different approaches to situations. And I believe this. I believe that if there is a true inward change, then it affects what goes on on the outside. But if you try and impose that from the outside, it's not even your business anyway. So regardless of our outward efforts and rules, we only become good at acting like what we think a Christian should be, right? But have little, I really need to stop saying that. You missed it last week if you weren't in the, I don't remember what service was in. I said, right, and this baby goes, no. (laughs) Just as loud as that. I'm like, right, no. (laughs) My first thought was, we do have a nursery. But then my second thought was, I just need to shut up and stop saying right. <laughs> right, yeah, right. So we, we, we put all this effort into, into conforming and following rules and looking like we're supposed to look. And all we accomplish is becoming good at acting like we think we should be to be accepted by everybody else with little inward change. I mean... So if we're talking about real spiritual growth here, how are you doing on the fruit of the Spirit? Love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Show me your faith that way. Because some of the meanest people I know are church-going Christians. Let me rephrase that. Most of the meanest people I know are church-going Christians. So it tells me that we miss something in our Christian faith because there's not an inward change going on. We've just gotten really good at conforming in what we think Christianity is supposed to look like. So I want to be clear about something, though. I don't think that this passage is taking salvation lightly. And I don't think that it's trying to indicate that being a follower of Jesus Christ is easy. 
Neither am I saying that, that what it took to provide salvation for us was easy. Not at all. I mean, God gifting his son to the world. A 33-year-old male in this world who never sinned. Not one bad thought. Not one thing did he ever do wrong. That was not easy. His incredible suffering and loneliness and pain and death on the cross. The imparting of all of our sins onto him so that our sins are paid for by his death. And then his resurrection from the dead, giving us power over the grave. None of that was easy. But (laughs) salvation was made simple for us. Not easy, but simple. And there's a difference between simple and easy. So, so simple is this. So Jesus Christ made salvation easy for us, right? So I've used this illustration before. When I walked into this building this morning, it was dark in here. And I turned on a switch. I wasn't here when Raymond wired this whole building. Had all the inspections. It's probably a good thing. Right? There's... there's There's wiring all throughout this, hooking up a switch. I've tried to do that. I had a, uh, uh, what are the the, uh, outlets that you reset? A GFCI, right. I don't even know what that stands for. I just know it's a GFCI. Ground fault, circuit interrupter. Thank you, Mr. Electrician. (laughs) So it it went out in my garage. So I went and bought another one. I figured 15 amps good, 20 amps even better. Right? 220, 222, whatever it takes. You got to be old to know where that came from. All right. So I take out the outlet, and I, and I literally have this outlet here and the new one right out of the box here, and they look identical. I take this wire, I'll put it here. I take this wire, I mean, exactly the same, and it didn't work. <laughs> Go figure. It's a good thing I did not wire this church. I finally had to call somebody over who knew what they were doing. And it was like within 10 minutes, everything was working just fine as I'm writing the check. <laughs> Salvation was not easy, but it's simple. Because all we got to do is go in and turn the switch. Everything else already done for you. So why make it hard to get to know Jesus? And we have this beautiful message to share about a loving God who sent his only son to win back his children. So let's not make it hard to get to know Jesus. And I believe that's the culture that we want to continue to have here at our church. And as folks walk in, so what, they take your seat. Thank God they're here. Let's say the good parking spaces for other people. Let's just have a spirit like that, right? And I believe you do. But it's good to be reminded every once in a while. And as a church and as individuals, let's just represent Jesus well. And I couldn't really fit this quote in anywhere else, but I love it, so I'm going to share it with you. But people want to hear the truth. They just don't want to hear it from a jerk. 
Isn't that great? It's like, I don't think people mind hearing about the truth of salvation and about Jesus Christ loving on them and, 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 and what it takes to be saved, but they just don't want to hear it if you're a jerk. So let's not be a jerk, right? Let's, let's just be like Jesus would and make it easy for people. And you're all thinking of somebody, I know it. And let's just make it easier for people to get to know Jesus Christ. So we're going to pray. And then these wonderful ladies have coordinated all of this finger food for us. I am, I am honored and humbled to be your pastor. And I'm excited about what the next 10 years is going to bring. I really, truly am. And thank you for your goodness to my family. Thank you for your service to the Lord in this church. And thank you for creating a place that I'm happy to invite my friends to attend. So let's pray, and then Gary will come up, lead us in a song, and then we'll have some finger food snacks afterwards, and don't be in a hurry to go anywhere. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and thank you for making it simple for us to connect with you. And thank you that, that our faith walk doesn't necessarily have to look like everybody else's, and neither do theirs have to look like ours. But I pray, Father, you would just help us be faithful in representing Jesus well, not only in this church, but in our families and at work and in our communities. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.